This is a HeadGum Podcast. In 86, Anna Martin wrote the first book of what became a cult. Now it's time for Babysitter's Club. How is baby Cyril? Well, the reason I am slightly late to our record is because he took a dump in his rock and play. When you say slightly late, do you mean three days late? Because we were supposed to record <laughs> on Wednesday and it's now Friday? No. Or do you mean that we were supposed to start at 7 and it is now 7.12? The reason that I am 12 minutes late today is because Cyril took a dump in his rock and play. Mm-hmm. The reason that we are three days late is that three days ago, Cyril did not want daddy to do his podcast does cyril know that um squarespace pays for his diapers that he refuses to use and like shits through on a weekly basis i think he must i also think he has fleas how did your baby get fleas jack i don't know but i keep finding all these fleas near where the cats sleep Maybe the cats have fleas. Don't you dare malign my fucking cats, Tanner. It's probably because you let Jenkins outside. Don't you. He probably caught fleas. Dare come after Jenkins. All right? Not on this podcast. Not in my house. You got to ask yourself, what's new in the situation? The thing that's new is we have a new baby. Uh So I think the baby is leaving fleas near where Jenkins sleeps. Does the baby visit Jenkins a lot? Not that I've noticed. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me more about sit and play? Rock and play? Rock and play? Yeah. It's, uh, What's it's, that? It's where he sleeps because he doesn't want to sleep in his crib or in his bassinet or any of the other things we got for him. Why not? Because he wants to sleep in his fucking rock and play. Is that like a chair? It's. You are such a fucking casual, dude. You don't is even like know what a, a rock and play is? Uh-uh. It, no, it's a rock and play. It's like a, it's like a, it's like a crib that rocks and plays. So... I'm confused. If it's a crib, it's fine that he's sleeping in it then. He's supposed to be sleeping in his crib, but he sleeps in his rock and play. He also shits in his rock and play. That's why I'm late to the record. Is this the fucking Spanish Inquisition? No, I just like to catch up with my friend, especially when I haven't seen him in so long because he missed our record two days prior and was 15 minutes late to our record today. Oh, I also I meant to send you a picture. I'll send you a picture right now, actually. You know, we're not going to talk for Baby Nation not to um, sort of give you a peek behind the curtains, but... Jack and I are actually not going to speak next week because I'm going back to where it all began, the motherland of BSCC. Some say our best episodes ever. Berlin? Berlin, Germany. Man, we really peaked at episode five, huh? (laughs) Yeah. We've never (laughs) reached those heady heights ever again. (laughs) Um, I sent you a pic. Okay. Here's the thing, Jack. Mm. You don't know this about me, but you should. Um, babies, when they're still very little and look like fetuses, yeah. uh, absolutely disgust me. <laughs> um, so while I appreciate that he's wearing the stark um, direwolf onesie that I bought him, mm-hmm. tiny babies gross me out. Especially if they have fleas. Yeah. I'm sure he'll grow up to be a very handsome boy, but he looks like an alien. Um, the reason I sent you that pic, Tanner, is a way into a conversation which I feel duty-bound to admit. You and your wife sent me this lovely direwolf onesie. I assume for Cyril. You didn't specify who it was for, but I assume... The package was for Cyril James Morgan Shepard. Oh, wait. But then I, I had a little bag in there oh, that yeah. very explicitly said on it with a tag, for Jack, not Cyril. And I thought to myself, oh, that's so sweet. They sent me a gift for the baby, and then Tanner has thoughtfully sent me something just special just for, for old Uncle Jacko during this trying time as he is uh, trying to get through the travails of early fatherhood. Mm-hmm. Uh, I opened it up with a, a warm glow in my heart, wondering what it might be that my, my good friend Tanner had sent me from across the seas. Is there a sea between mm-hmm. Austin and Brooklyn? There's a few lakes. And it was a wandering frog person. Yep. So thanks for that. And I was very explicit. I didn't want any confusion around who was in control of the wandering frog now. I didn't want you to scheme the way you scheme and say that Cyril was now the controller of the wandering frog. So I very explicitly put your name on it, Jack Shepard. You are the loser. Here's a philosophical question. If you Uh don't know that you have been frogged, can you have been frogged? I'm not sure that the babies among us, the literal babies... 
I think it's the responsibility of the person frogging to explain to their victim that they're being frogged and what that means. Okay. So if you could actually communicate it to Cyril what you had done to him, you would have. But in the meantime, you settled for getting his daddy. Yeah. I would have very patiently explained it to him. I would have sat him down and we would have put him in his rock and play. And I would have said, Cyril, <laughs> here's what happened. Well, you know what's going to happen now since you chose to go after his daddy? He's going to grow up and avenge me. So 18 years from now, you better watch your fucking back, buddy. When he comes of age... Yeah. You're oh, by the way, you can't play Wandering Frog people if you're under 18. <laughs> <laughs> we actually need to find textual support for that. Um, yeah. But it wasn't in this book. He looks book. good in that little direwolf onesie, though. He looked good. He looked good. I sent him a dire... Baby Nation, I sent him a direwolf onesie. Mm-hmm. and a plush cat so that he could choose which faction he wanted to belong to because a Jack is a cat man and he's going to push him towards cats, but I wanted him to have the choice. Well, so far he's 0 for 1 with cats because he gave my cats fleas. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> maybe he is a dog person. <laughs> Looks like he made his choice. <laughs> hey, Tanner, we read a book this week. I vaguely remember it. Let's, um, let me introduce the podcast. I'll refresh your memory when I tell the Baby Nation the name of the book. Fine. Hi, hi. Hi. And welcome to the Babysitter's Club Club, Club. a podcast in which I'm Jack Shepard. And I, Tanner Greenberg. Oh, come on. What's the matter? <laughs> Why'd you stop? <laughs> you on a roll there. We were doing the intro. <laughs> Talk about... I'm trying to do parallel construction, and parallel construction requires participation from I do both the thing members you do every. I just did the thing you the do team. every week, Jack. Every week you say, I, Jack Shepard, and I say, and I'm Tanner Greenery. Right. And this week, I changed it around to accommodate you, since your preference is obvious for the circumlocution that is... That's not my I'm- preference. Jack, that's not my preference. If you've been paying attention, you know my preference is just to do the opposite of whatever you do. Okay, fine. A podcast in which I, Jack Shepard... And I'm Tanner Greenring. Fuck, <laughs> fuck, you're just going to edit it together. <laughs> A podcast in which I, Jack Shepard... And I, Tanner Greenring, discuss the classic novels of Princeton Zone, Princess Annabelle Matthews Martin, Sanctified, Stormborn, Mother of Clocks, and Bane to Bats, first of her name, last of her kind, last hope for humankind. Can I ask you a question? Sure. I notice you glancing down. Do you have this written down? I have noticed of late, Tanner, that you've started taking the opportunity to interrupt me when I hesitate during the listing of the epithets of Anne Matthews Martin, and I don't want that. Okay, because you you missed a few. Primark, (laughs) Prince of Towns, Time, Uh Mother of Clocks. I said Mother of Clocks. Um, What did I miss, buddy? Stormborn. Nope, I said it. First of her name, last of her kind. I said it. Humankind. Yeah, I got it all. Okay. I wrote it down so I get it all and so that you wouldn't interrupt me. But here we are, mid-interruption. Um, this has been a process note, Baby Nation. Uh, you got to you got to peek. What did we say we were going to say instead of parting the kimono? Cut it out of the episode, so don't worry about it. This has been a peek <laughs> behind the curtain, as it were. Uh, a parting of the kimono. We don't say it anymore. It grosses Baby Nation out and it grosses me out. Well, we had another thing that we said we were going to say. It was take off my pants and underwear. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this has been a a peek at the man without pants and underpants. <laughs> um, what are we talking about? Why why are we on this call? It appears like we're recording it. Intro this week, Baby Nation. We read a book. Is it legal in Texas or New York to record someone without their knowledge? Because I've been recording this whole conversation. It's in public. I think we're okay. But I'm in I'm in my private house. Okay. Well, and I'm a sovereign servant, and I'm being detained. <laughs> you are being detained. <laughs> Am I free to go? <laughs> You're not free to go. And I have been recording this whole conversation. <laughs> I, don't know where, I don't know where the sovereign citizen bit came from, but we've done it like four weeks in a row, 
I could add it to our outro, which is also <laughs> getting increasingly lengthy. I'm going to add it to our outro right now so I don't forget. Uh, am I being detained? Uh, I'm hoping that by the time we get to The Fire at Mary Ann's House, the final book in the series, it will be 30 minutes of intro and 30 minutes of outro. <laughs> it's just all nonsense, inside jokes. Um, this week, Baby Nation, uh, we read one of Princess Annabelle Matthews Martin's great books in her sitter's cycle. The book was entitled Mary Ann and Camp BSC. Jack Tanner. I don't know if you knew this about me, mm-hmm. but I ain't no Nola that girl. Few times I've been around that track. I think you have a line now. Uh, you are a radiant beam of light. <laughs> In the darkness. With my good friend Tanner and my good friend Jack. Because I ain't no Nola Thack girl. I ain't no Nola Thack girl. Few times I've been around that track. And my friend Jack is a radiant beam of light. Because I ain't no Nola Thack girl. I ain't no Nola Thack girl. Um, you often throw to me and I don't know what to say. And I always <laughs> kind of fall back on that one line. I've noticed that. Well, it's it's sweet. Um, I am not, as uh, aforementioned, a Nola Thack girl, but I am having a Thack attack. Mm. The Thack attack is back, Jack. Uh, this week, w- b- this week, the book was written by, um, sorry, ghost written by. It was written by Anna Martin, of course, mm-hmm. but it was ghost written by the Nola mysterious Thacker. Nola Thacker, and it was G C B S F. Something along the lines of F. It wasn't quite F. New Baby Bees, we're not going to tell you why you're bees, but we are going to tell you what GCBSF stands for. It stands for good, clean, baby, sitting, fun. But it wasn't necessarily fun this week. It was kind of a week offering. It was about as fun as day camp. The last time I went to day camp was rollerblading day camp when I was maybe 14, so I don't really have a good recollection of it. Did you like it? No, I'm pretty shy. Mm -hmm. I also love my mommy very much. And um, when she drove away, I um, was prone to panic attacks. Well, I imagine you would have found this book very relatable in that case. Yeah. Um, Well, what a great segue you provided for us, Tanner. You have not been particularly cooperative during this intro, but you have done an excellent job of segueing us into a little segment where we describe the book twice. Okay. Um, First I describe it, then you describe it in 60 seconds. Uh, if you don't have any objections, I'd like to begin describing this novel right now. I have no objections. Thank you. I will begin. Say goodbye to mommy and daddy and say hello to Camp BSC, where the kids play all day and the counselors are always smiling. Say goodbye to mommy and daddy and say hello to Camp BSC, where you'll hear a different scary story every night around the campfire. Say goodbye to mommy and daddy and say hello to Camp BSC. Because when you check in to Camp BSC, you might never see mommy and daddy again. It's summertime, and camp counselor Mary Ann Spear is looking forward to a month of games, activities, and scary stories around the campfire. Meanwhile, junior camper Alicia Ginelli can't wait to learn new things and make friends with her new playmates. But what starts as a lively day camp for the two girls quickly becomes a living nightmare as they both begin to wonder whether they've said goodbye to their families for the last time. Everyone told Marianne that summer camp is nothing to be afraid of. So why is it that she's terrified? Marianne and Camp BSC. Say hello to Uncle Daddy, Tanner, because I finished with my description and you can stop looking at your fucking iPhone uh, games or whatever. Looking at my friend Jack as he describes a book we both read this week, mm-hmm. Babysitter's Club, number 86, Marianne and Camp BSC. Good. That was very professional sounding. Uh-huh. Um, I suppose you want me to do my damn thing now, huh? Put my thing down, flip it, and reverse it. I'm ready to... Rock and roll. Lock and load. Rock and roll. All right. 
Das ist Get up, everybody wants to lose their seat. Okay, that's enough singing. Um, here's what I'm going to do, Tanner. I'm going to put 60 seconds on this big bad clock that I happen to have here. Lock and load. Rock and roll. Uh, during those 60 get seconds, down, I would... everybody wants to get their feet. Prior to those 60 seconds, I would like for you to Kiss stop Detroit si- Rock City. To stop singing and to stop naming songs. During those 60 seconds, I would like for you to describe this novel. Mm, that is going to be challenging. See. <laughs> Were you not preparing for it while I was doing my description and you weren't paying attention? Were you just looking at tweets or something? I wasn't. What were you doing? I don't want to say it. You're going to be mean about it. <laughs> it's better if you come clean about it now than have it hanging over us. I got a, I got a Apple News alert from the New York Times saying there's a note so high it's never been sung before in the history <laughs> of the Metropolitan Opera. And I clicked it and started reading it. Are you sorry? <laughs> it sounds cool. I don't want to talk about it. I do want to talk about this novel. We've been stalling long enough. Um, I don't remember a ton about this novel, but I'm going to take a good, honest, Christian try. Good. Christian run at it. Good. I'd like to hear that. Um, I'm going to put 60 seconds on this big bad clock, starting now. Okay, Baby Nation. Um, Let's see. Marianne Spear is a babysitter in Stony Brook, Connecticut. Mm -hmm. Uh, she gets into a, uh, let me start over. Uh, Marianne's dad, Richard Spear goes to Ohio on a business trip. She's left alone with Don and Don's mom. They're maniacs. They eat pizza every night. They make messes. She gets in a bike accident for some reason and crashes and sprains her ankle. She misses her dad very, very much. Um, the Babysitter's Club decides to put on a fair. It's the summer. Oh, by the way, it's the summertime. All the kids are off school. They put on a fair in Don's uh, barn where it's a carnival theme. And all the kids come and do carnival things. And there's a little girl called Alicia who is has separating, separation anxiety. Uh, Marianne learns a lot about herself and time. And time. <laughs> I'm not going to fault you for doing... Uh... C minus D plus job of describing technically proficient. Um, I I listed everything that happened in the book. I would quibble with that. I was going to say I'm not going to fault you for doing a C plus B minus job of describing this novel. C plus B minus uh, showmanship, Mm -hmm. but B plus A minus technique or like conveyance of information right wow high score from the russian judge we can agree on that i got all the information out um no i don't agree on considering the handicap i had too that i read this book three days ago i think it's more than fair that we gave me a a b plus a minus on this one and we just move on let me um we'll split the difference even b how about this how about this Uh uh-huh now hear me out here yeah how about you let me take a third run at this sentence like finishing the whole sentence. Okay. I'm not going to fault you for doing a C plus B minus job of describing this book. That's the first clause in the sentence. As, Second far, as, clause as, is, as far as showmanship goes, but it's a two a, it's a, a minus B plus uh, technical. It's a two clause sentence, and I want to I want to get all the way through it. Yeah, yeah. I just wanted to help finish the the first sentence you said. Yeah, I kind of want to do it without help though. Okay. All right. I'm going to take a fourth run at this sentence. It's two clauses, remember. Comma but let's middle. set it up. Tanner, you did a A minus B plus job with the technical details of this book. Who are you talking you to? Then, no, I'm being you, and now you go. Okay, I'm. how about I'm going to be me? Yeah, yeah. And I'm going to take a fourth run at finishing this sentence. Tanner, you did a technically <laughs> proficient job at this, A minus B plus, dot, dot, dot. I'm going to begin this sentence... Now, I'm not going to fault you for doing. A minus I, what did you B do? Plus. An A, A minus B plus. <laughs> you've got it in my head now. I think you've done it. You did an A minus B plus job of showmanship, right? No, no, no. 
I think you Poor did an- showmanship, excellent technical ability. Okay. A A plus for technical ability. No, that's not no, yes. that's your yep. words. That's your words. A plus for technical ability is what you just said, and then B minus for showmanship. Let me do my words and let me try to let me try to do the whole sentence. I'm not going to fault you for doing a C plus B minus job overall of describing this book. But no. I think that would be an even B. If it was an A plus <laughs> for technical ability, which is what you just said, and a B minus, I think we're looking at maybe a B plus. No, I said C plus B minus. Overall. Overall B plus. Look, I'll round it up to B minus, okay? Just so the sentence is shorter and I can get through it faster. I'm not gonna fault you, and I figured it's a um it's a causal clause, not a concessive clause, which is where I was getting hung up. Um I'm not going to fault you for doing a B-minus job of describing this book. B-plus. Because it was all B-plot. This whole fucking book was B-plot. Yeah, it was a little um, disjointed. And it was like the most boilerplate standard B-plot that they do. Like, the plot of this book is that the Babysitter's Club basically, like, hosts a talent show for the kids. Right. Which is normally just like a throwaway B-plot. No, look, yeah. you, you've got a beautiful mind. Yeah. And you've got a way with words, and especially considering the fact that you are potentially a sentient dog. Yeah. I think what you've done here is stunning. Yeah. But you can't go back to the well of children's talent show, carnival thing. We've seen it before. Unless you're truly proficient like... Sweet Pete Larangis. A Pete Larangis. Right. Yeah, and P. Larangis does it as a B-plot. P. Larangis does it as a commentary. Yeah. He's not doing it as a B-plot. He's doing it because he wants you to He wants you to think about it. He wants you to think about what it means. Yeah, it's a meta text right. when P. does it. Um, and he's doing it with his left hand while his right hand is composing a symphony of an A-plot. Right, exactly. Um, and I, I get it. I get it, Nola. You just read Stacy versus the BSC. Yeah. You just read it. You're like, this is great. He's doing a carnival. He's doing like a talent show. I can do that. But put me in, coach. I'm ready. But you're not ready, Nola. You're not quite ready, Nola. We love you. Neither of us are Nola Thack girls. I'm having a Thack attack. But I feel like you, the, the problem is you, we, we both are party to Ain't No Nola Thack girl. But then you're having a Thack attack. And I feel like I need something, too, that belongs to me. Well, you say the Thack attack is back, Jack, but I guess that is still about me. Yeah. Um, um, thack is whack? No, because that's me. Yeah. Yeah, we don't think that. And it's also kind of about crack, the crack yeah. epidemic of the 80s, which is not fun. A Nolan one? <laughs> Nolan one is good. <laughs> you just hit a, hit a Nolan one? I thought this book was a Nolan one. <laughs> there we go. It sounds pretty good. <laughs> um. All right, you want to you want to take a run at All right, it? Let's move on. Yep. Um, I'm having a thack attack, and I thought this book was a Nolan one. I've been Tanner Greenring, and I'm Jack Shepard. Uh, let's get the fuck out of here, Tanner. Man, I would love to. This is gonna be the <laughs> shortest episode ever. <laughs> um, uh, let's talk about this book. Let's get into it. Let's yeah. get into it. I have very few notes, but um, I feel like there's some stuff we can explore. The main theme of this book and of seemingly every Marianne novel these days is that Marianne's being a real dingleberry. Yeah, this is the the eternal dingleberryness of Marianne. She she misses her dad. What a thing! You're 14, Marianne. Your dad her dad went away to Cleveland for two weeks. F- for two weeks, and she right. l- lost it. I'm gonna go to Berlin next week for one week. Are you gonna miss me? Um, no. Wow. I mean, not more than usual. I didn't expect that to hurt as much as it did. <laughs> well, it's not going to be that different for me. You won't have to read a book. Oh, that's true. And you won't have the opportunity to have a two-hour phone call with your very good friend. All right. I'll, I will miss you. Are you happy? It's better. I okay. can feel like you can't undo the damage you already did. <laughs> we must talk about this novel, Tanner. Um, we are. And I would love to keep talking about it. But first... Okay. I would love to go grab a beverage. Okay, fine. But then we have to, we must 
talk about we this were novel. About the book. And we did the recaps. I spent like ten minutes trying to say one sentence. It was a bad. It was a bad sentence. Then. <laughs> All right. Let's get a beer and then let's talk about this novel. Okay. Goodbye. Bye. All right, Tanner. For the Welcome love of back. God, let's We've talk got about a book this to book. discuss, huh? Yeah. Um, Babysitter's Club, number 86, Marianne and the Camp BSC. Um, they have a day camp where for uh, the entire month, all of the babies in Stony Brook come every day and do activities and crafts and plan a circus, which they perform at the end of the month. I hope they made a lot of fucking money. That's like four straight weeks of babysitting 20 eight fucking hours babies. a day. Yeah. 20 times eight is 400. One of, one of us is wrong. <laughs> yeah. I think it's... I, I was going to say 160. I think it's a 160. Yes, that's right. <laughs> so uh, 20 times 8, right? Yeah. Times 5. Mm-hmm. 160 times 5. You know what I found, Tanner? You got that? In the past? That's like is 900. That- then times 4 is like $10,000 they made. Damn. In those four weeks. All right. If my math checks out, and I don't know if there's any math whizzes in Baby Nation, check my math on that. I think it's $10,000 total. They can buy like a really good replacement for Stacy with that kind of bank. Who's Stacy? Divide that by six? Mm. Oh, here's what I was going to say earlier. I don't think it plays that well when we do math live on the podcast. What do you mean? Like, I'm not sure it's that fun for like for the listeners. Well, I watch a YouTube channel called Number Files, <laughs> where okay. they just do fun math problems. Okay, great. Well, maybe they can watch that instead of listening to us try to do like basic arithmetic for 10 minutes. The reason I'm talking about this, Tanner, is I wanted to get us back to talking about this novel. Um, they host a, ba- a day camp, and then Marianne decides that she misses her fucking dad. Something's going on with Mr. Spear? He's being weird. He's He's... Overly excited about this trip to Cincinnati. Yeah, as to Cleveland, which nobody in or Cle- it, Cleveland, nobody in history, and deep, deep apologies to baby bees from Cleveland, but nobody in history has ever been excited about a trip to Cleveland. No, right? No, I'm going to Berlin in two days, and I'm dreading it. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and that's Berlin. Yeah. <laughs> um. So here's what here's what we know about what's going on with old man Spear this week. My father cleared his throat again. He's being—he's acting weird, too. He comes in singing, like, oh, happy day, which is very unlike him. He makes up a song about Ohio. He's yeah. like, oh, 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 Ohio. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait, was that the impossible to hit note? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the impossible to hit note in the it's... Metropolitan Opera. And you just did it? Oh, 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 Ohio. <laughs> Wow. You heard it here first, Baby Nation. It might not have picked up on the mics because it's sort of outside of the register of human hearing, but... Wow. Well, maybe that's why he's so happy. Um, (laughs) So, he's psyched. My father cleared his throat again. Well, I have some good news. Some outstanding news. Some excellent news. Richard, says Sharon, our law firm is merging with another firm. Sharon immediately looked relieved. Oh, yes, I remember you talked about that being in the works. Yes, it's all set. It's a great opportunity for us. My father was using his lawyer tone of voice now. I had to smile. So that's all we know. His firm is merging with another firm, and he has to go to Cleveland? For two weeks. For two weeks. Long business trip. Yeah. And it's not really clear why he's so excited about that, what he's going to Cleveland for, yeah. what his fate is in this big merger. Um, so that's something to keep an eye on. But one thing we do know is that as soon as he leaves, something happens to Marianne. Well, I don't want to move on quite yet. Okay. Because I want to draw your attention to something. Okay. There is something that didn't happen in this book, but happens often when... Richard Spear and Sharon Porter Spear. Mm-hmm. Sharon Porter Schaefer Spear is mentioned in these books. Mm-hmm. And they are often mentioned side by side with something we've come to know as refrigerator play. Mm-hmm. And if you're new to the podcast, it is their sexual obsession with the kitchen and refrigerators and food. You should clarify, if you're new to the podcast and you 
you're not personally a practitioner of of refrigerator play. You may not know that refrigerator play is um, a fetish popularized by Mr. Spear and Mrs. Right. Sharon Porter Spear. Or, or Jack, you mm-hmm. may know it by its other name. Mm-hmm. We have called it refrigerator play this whole time. That's just the name we came up with for it. Mm-hmm. But Sharon, I think this week, revealed what her and Richard call it. Oh, did you catch that? No. Would you care to enlighten me? It was Sunday, the end of the first week of Camp BSC, and the day my father was leaving for Cleveland, Ohio. I hadn't forgotten exactly, but I'd been so busy with Camp BSC that I'd lost track of when he was leaving until Sharon had said something about a special going-away lunch for Dad on Sunday. A calling-all-cookbooks blowout feast, Sharon said. And then it's the last time I stove-wrestle until Richard comes home again. She's very open about that with the family. Yeah. I think they call it. St- I think they call it stove wrestling. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense, and it kind of makes sense. We've we've speculated about this, and we don't want to pry into their personal and private lives too much, Baby Nation. But it is in the text, um, and so it does invite us to speculate about the mechanics of this. All we know is that during these lovemaking sessions between Sharon and Richard, stuff gets everywhere. Often, like, you'll find, like, a wrench in the refrigerator or, like, milk will somehow be in the toolbox. Right. But it kind of makes sense if it's a little bit more active than I had been imagining. The wrestling wrestling around on the stove and kind of hurling things around. Um, You can see how accidents like that happen. Stove wrestling. Stove wrestling. (laughs) What you saw was mommy and daddy stove wrestling. (laughs) Oh, it's not something you can do by yourself. No. I've tried. <laughs> I just hurt myself. So that's the last time she uh, that Sharon is able to do any stove wrestling until uh, Richard until gets Richard back and home. provides the all-important uh, second member of the, the stove wrestling team. Right. Well. We just uncovered a little gem there, you know? I think we can keep calling it whatever we want, Yeah, but to Richard and Sharon, it's stove wrestling. Well, that's lovely. That's That kind of puts a pin in that in a nice way. So something's happened to Sharon, which we understand. She's going to miss the old stove wrestling while Richard is away. But it's not totally clear to me why Marianne suddenly melts into a puddle of sadness. We were in plenty of time for his flight, says Marianne. We walked Dad to the metal detector. He hugged us goodbye. I hugged him hard, feeling a sudden, unexpected lump in my throat. Bye, Dad, I said, swallowing hard and feeling a little misty-eyed. He gave me another quick squeeze, kissed Sharon, and walked through the metal detector around the corner. Jesus, they can't fucking leave it alone, even in the airport, can they? No. <laughs> Just got to get one more. <laughs> she thought that dinner was going to be your last stove wrestling. <laughs> stove wrestling finds a way. They had to be separated by the TSA agents. <laughs> uh, kissed Sharon. And walked through the metal detector, around the corner, and out of sight. And suddenly I felt abandoned. As soon as he leaves her sight, I felt abandoned, lost, left behind. It was so weird. I mean, I knew where Dad was going, and I knew when he'd be back, and I was looking forward to hanging out with Sharon and Dawn Schaefer. But still, it was a very strong, very unhappy feeling. That's abnormal. I mean, I feel that way every time I'm in an airport or stepping onto an airplane. Oh, yeah, but that's because of your deep and uncontrollable fear of flying. Right. Kind of fucked up that I ended up in the the job I ended up in. What, flying around the world? Constantly flying around the world. Um, It's what uh, in Dante would be called a contrapasso. Oh, I love contrapasso. Like, they bring it out before the pasta. It's like a little cheese plate, some Uh, olives. It's when you were given a punishment that perfectly fits the sins that you have committed in this life mm, that doesn't sound right do you mean the thing where they bring out like the bread and the oil and the, <laughs> and the, the cheese like no. tapenade no that's a antipasto what did you say contrapasso contra so after so it's like gelato <laughs> Maybe like a port that's a digestif mm. um moving on And in Italy, it would probably be a limoncello, not a port. Um, I don't know. It seems like Mr. Spear—I've always felt that there's been something sinister about Mr. Spear's uh, 
This is new. This way- is new. Sorry, you've always thought there's something sinister about Mr. Spear. This is not that new. There's something a little strange. Sure, at first, I was his biggest fan. I'll admit that. I will admit that. I'm not hiding anything. Okay. I have nothing to hide here. But suddenly, you've always thought Richard Spear is some kind of villain? For a long time, I have thought that there's something odd about the way that he... You didn't, you didn't feel the need to voice that on our podcast about the Babysitter's Club before now? We, this is just a secret feeling you were harboring? I believe that you and I have talked about it before in a previous Marianne-based book. The Villainy of Richard Spear. The Villainy of Richard Spear. God, that sounds good. The villainy of Richard Spear. We know that there's something murky in his past, that Marianne was taken away from him for some time after Mrs. Spear died and he went mad. Right, 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 right. And then... Marianne lived with her grandparents for some time. And they refused to give Marianne back. So there's something weird there. Right. Then he got her back and tried to keep her eternally young. Right. By making her wear pigtails. Then, perhaps during this missing time when Mr. Spear, we don't know, the lost years when Marianne was living with her grandparents, Mm -hmm. he made some kind of a deal. And now we have these books where Marianne is conveniently kept eternally young. By it, right, and Matthews Martin herself, right, right, right. So there's the potential that the great villain Richard Spear has made a deal with a higher power, a higher power, and now we have this extra piece of evidence, which is that anytime Mr. Spear steps past the boundaries of Stony Brook, Marianne feels this, in her words, very strong, very unhappy feeling. And becomes insufferable. Well, and until he returns, Mr. Spear. Well, yes, and Mr. Spear is unnaturally excited. Oh, un- about visiting mundane places like Cleveland, Ohio. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there's something fishy going on here. It's like Cipher in The Matrix. Yeah, he like he, Mr. Spear has the ability to kind of like you know he knows the stake isn't real. Right. He knows that it's just a computer telling him that it's, like, juicy and delicious, but, like, he doesn't care. He's not going to fucking Cleveland. No. Nobody's that excited about going to Cleveland. God, Baby Bees, we already lost, basically, I think maybe more than half of our audience when we told- Oh, my God. Baby Nation, I'm so sorry for ever saying that you couldn't listen to this show if you don't like pineapple on pizza. No. What I I meant was you're um, fucking disgusting. (laughs) You're not talking to anyone because everyone who likes pineapple on pizza stopped listening to our show after we told them to stop no, last I'm week. I'm sorry I said that, Baby Nation. Your preferences are your preferences, and I, I hope you enjoy your disgusting pizza, but... I literally don't know who you're apologizing to since we no longer have any fans who enjoy pineapple on pizza. Please come back. We need you. Please come back. We miss you. We love you and we kiss you, and we don't care what you eat on your pizza. Um... We already lost a lot of fans who are good people, but um, who have tasted pizza that we disagree with. And now I'm worried that we are going to lose a lot of fans from the great city of Cleveland, Ohio. Here's everything I know about Cleveland, Jack, just real quick. There's a bar there called the Warsaw. And four friends named Drew Carey, Drew Carey's lady friend, Mm-hmm. Guy with the big curly hair and tall lanky guy hang out there every night, every fucking talking day. about Drew Carey's run-ins at work with old Mimi, the mean lady. Yep, that is the sum knowledge of Cleveland for me. So apologies to Cleveland, but Rock and Roll Hall. Nobody of Fame. is as excited about going to Cleveland as Mister Spear appears to be, and so, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, Mister Spear was not going to Cleveland. He was going to talk to Anne. He was coming to our world. He was coming to our world. The Cleveland of the universe. <laughs> Earth 1. <laughs> I think technically we're Earth 67? Okay. Tanner Googles. Shouldn't you know this shit? Oof, my internet is running a slow. Oh, all right. While you're Googling, let me just read this passage that kind of hammers it home. Amom. Earth 1218 <sighs> is the designation given to our reality. Okay. In, in the Marvel Universe. The Marvel Universe. Okay. In the DC Universe, Jack. 
Because they're two different things, Marvel Comics and Detective Comics, which they've shortened to DC. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're talking about a pre-crisis timeline? You are, it seems like. Right? I don't know, man. So we're talking about a pre-crisis timeline. Oh, boy. I was talking about Mr. Spear. I was kind of hoping to talk about Jacques Lacan and uh, Lacanian reading. Shaka Khan? No, Jacques Lacan. I have a Lacanian reading of this text. Um that I thought would be interesting. Should I launch into that now? Real world is what I'm searching for. Oh, boy. It sure seems that way. Anyway, it's it's hard to tell where it falls. Baby Nation, the DCU timeline is so crazy and mixed up because there's the pre-crisis stuff. There's the new 52 stuff. So maybe there's a DCU expert out there who can tell us which Earth, <laughs> our Earth is in that. But it's not going to be me. Jack, you had something to say about Shaka Khan? Yeah. Uh, the 80s group? Yeah. No, Jacques Lacan. Um, did you notice all this stuff about the real in this book? Like about authenticity? Shaka Khan. So one of the themes that they hit really hard in this book is a lot of the kids at the circus camp. It's a camp that's where they kind of learn circus tricks and perform a, a kid's circus at the end of it. Half of the kids uh-huh. have been previously to what they call a real circus camp, and half of the kids haven't. And, right, and it divides very evenly along the lines of Stony Brook Elementary School kids and Stony Brook Academy right. kids. And the Academy kids who have been to a quote-unquote real circus camp, that includes Karen Brewer and uh, Icky Ricky the Tower Taurus. Icky Ricky the Tower Taurus. Um, Refuse to participate in any of the camp games because they don't believe that this is a real circus camp. And I thought that this was an interesting exploration by Anne and Nola of the real. Um, Most famously talked about by Lacan. um, Chaka Khan. Jacques Lacan, pop star, as one of the three ways of seeing the world um, that is distinct, and in some ways is only definable in its distinction from the symbolic and the imaginary. The real is, in some ways, that are kind of counterintuitive, unknowable. We've talked about Wittgenstein before, whereof one cannot speak, thereof one must remain silent. Um, I think this is kind of a similar category. We've talked about, have we talked about the Ding an sich of Kant? But this idea of what is the real is something that is explored in this text uh, in a way that I found to be fascinating. Like, what does it mean to be a real circus camp? Um, how do you define that? Um, and now because this is a podcast where two people kind of go back and forth i would love for you to say some words instead of you appear to be dancing he's dancing baby nation he's he's dancing he's grinning he's doing a little he's moving his head back and forth are you reading lacan right now satisfied tanner oh sorry 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 what's that what you were bobbing your head back and forth Oh, I was listening to um, Chaka Khan's I Feel For You on YouTube. Oh. Do you know it? Uh, no. It's good. Let me put it on for you. Oh, no, I'd rather you didn't. Um, can, you, can you hear you? Hello? Hello? No, I can't. No. Good song, huh? I thought you were bobbing your head to a quick perusal of Jacques Lacan's Écrit. No, no, no. Jacques Lacan's I Feel For You. Is that what you listen to while you're reading up on Jacques Lacan's Écrit so you can participate in this very interesting Sorry, conversation? Sorry, are you saying, you're saying Jacques Lacan, yeah? <laughs> I'm saying Jacques Lacan. He's a French philosopher. Everybody has to read him in English class in college. No, no one... <laughs> I took a lot of English classes in college. I never <laughs> had to read anything by Chaka Khan. <laughs> All right, fine. Let's move on. Um, I feel for you, Jack. Thank you. I think I love you. Okay. Not romantically. Mm-hmm. I, I phileo you. Mm, that sounds bad. Oh, I see. You're using the Greek. The Greek. Philos. Phileo. The friendship yeah. form of love as opposed to eros, the erotic. Brotherly love. Form of love. 
Great. Mm-hmm. Well, I think I phileo. It sounds a lot like fellatio. That's the thing you see, <laughs> the way you said it. Um, I love you as a brother (laughs) and I love you as a brother as well All right, Uh, enough of this stove wrestling let's move on to um, Tanner I would like for you to give us this day our daily bread and because there is how's the rest of the thing go Give us today our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses. For, forgive us our trespasses as yeah. we forgive those who trespass against us. Yeah. I was quoting the relevant part because there... Is that the Lord's Prayer? Yeah, that's the Lord's Prayer, Tanner. You know I can do most of that in Swahili? That's... Because it was the um, theme song to Civilization Four. <laughs> Baba yetu 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 um, apologies to any listeners who speak Swahili. Tanner, I want to read a little passage to you, and then I'd like for you to expound upon it. Okay. Like Nothing for you I love more than expounding. To do a little exegesis, as they say. No one says that, but yep, I understand what you mean. Good. Context clues, I understand what you mean. It's from, well, I was going to tell you the roots of the word, but I won't. I'm going to read this passage. Greek. It is Greek. It's X and then a geomai, which means to lead, but could also mean to discuss in depth. Exegesis. Where does where agoraphobic come uh, from? That's, that's a different root. It's also Greek, but it's from the agora, which is the marketplace. Uh, but a geomai is a verb that means to lead through or discuss. And that's what I'd like for you to do about this next passage that I'm going to read to you. So now I was headed downstairs to help Don set the table and start lunch, which was really a brunch menu. Cold poached salmon with asparagus vinaigrette. Yuck. Don and I were even making real bread from the ground up. I hadn't done that before, but Don had back in California. Mmm, said Dad. Something smells good. Homemade made bread. bread, said Don pointing to the basket where the bread was wrapped in a red and white checkered dishcloth. Interesting, interesting, interesting. I think the red and white Mm -hmm. symbolism there is important. Tanner, would you like to tell the new baby bees um, a little bit about the theory that that you call bread theory? Right. Um, And how this particular text relates to it. And if... You are able at this time to reveal anything more about what you know. Man, I would love to, Jack, and I would love to, Baby Nation. Um, bread theory, obviously, is the theory that it's just bread all the way down. <laughs> it's just all bread. Yeah. And we've been over that a million times. There's nothing left to talk about there. We've obviously plumbed the depths of... The fact that it's bread, bread just all the way down, right? There's no need to discuss that any further. Mm-hmm. I think we can agree on that, right? Sure, in the interest of moving on. But this week we have this this additional symbolism, which I think is very interesting. Yeah. On top of the bread, we have the red and the white. Mm-hmm. Um, the Red and the Black is a novel by Stendhal. Yep. So here's what we have, Jack. Okay. White, mm-hmm. the clergy. Give us this day our daily bread. And red, the nobility. Okay. Man cannot live on bread alone. Let them eat cake. Let them eat cake, right. Yep. And what we're missing from this, what's notably missing, mm-hmm. blue, the bourgeoisie. Okay. This goes deep. These are the three main estates of the ancient regime. The ancien regime. Yep. And so we're missing the blue. We're missing the blue, the bourgeoisie. Okay. Blue is the symbol of class. So, Generally, it comes first. So what Anne is saying here is... We don't need the fucking bourgeoisie. Potentially. She is advocating for a socialist uprising. <gasps> oh. You know what else, Jack? What? We've got the equality. We've got the egal- egalité. Mm-hmm. We've got the fraternité. Mm-hmm. Do we have liberté? Well, what we're missing is the liberté. So there's no freedom. It can be taken either way. So these are the three colors of the French flag? Right. We've got the red. We've got the white. We're missing the blue. And that's notable. We've been over bread before at Baby Nation. We all know what bread means. We've gone as far as down as we can get on that. 
But now Anne and Nola have layered in these colors. Yeah. Two-thirds of the French flag. The white, the clergy. The red, the nobility. Equality, brotherhood. But not liberty. Where is the bourgeoisie? Where is the freedom? Well, really, really deep, scary stuff here, baby nation. Yeah, very frightening. It could mean anything. I'm sorry that we opened this particular can of worms. This may be... Because it's just so terrifying. Too much. It's just too much to even approach, you know? Yeah. I hate to admit this, but it does appear to be all bread all the literally all of the, all the way, way down. down all the way right. down right and we've covered that a million times obviously yeah. we all know that that's yeah. taken as red at this point but well it's just like all these new layers on top of it it's just so it's like a it's like a carrot cake <laughs> <laughs> that's lovely um yeah well this has been uh this has been bread bread very spooky very very spooky um tanner is there anything else you'd like to talk about um you've got your bow you've got your chain tied to me tied tie me up again yeah jack <laughs> uh-huh i've got something here yeah i want to talk to you about chapter nine of this book okay chapter nine is notable mm-hmm. it is a chapter about camp bsc mm-hmm. it is the chapter in which the kids all tell ghost stories to one another in an attempt to spook one another out. Uh-huh. Logan colludes with Christy to scare everyone. Mm-hmm. Christy starts telling a story about a man who loves to haunt children gets togethers. Mm-hmm. Gets togethers? Gets together. It's get, like attorneys get togethers. general. Gets no, it's not like attorneys general. <laughs> <laughs> get togethers. He loves to haunt gets together with kids um, and scare them. And then Logan jumps out of the rafters of the the barn and and scares everyone. Except Mm -hmm. the focal point of this chapter. Yes. A young boy named Jackie Radowski. Jackie Radowski, babies and gentlemen. And you'll notice, Baby Nation, that we're not introducing a segment because there is no segment here. Mm -hmm. It's notable that there is an entire chapter focused on jackie radowski he becomes the focal point of this whole chapter of this yeah. whole chapter about scaring and ghosts and, he's and ghost stories brought in in this odd way they've got this cast of characters they've got icky ricky the tower taurus they've got karen brewer mm-hmm. they've got marilyn and carolyn they've got jamie, jamie newton. newton they've got all the kids and then for no apparent reason this chapter opens with a scene whereby, at the last minute, Mrs. Radowski realizes that they have a conflict and they need a babysitter for Jackie, so they take him to the camp for this one day. And I'm sure, as did you, I, at this moment, was like, well, we're going to do a track on Jackie. We're going to have one of Jackie's yep. adventures through time. Baby Nation, we don't have time Gearing to explain it. Gearing up for this it. one. Gearing up for Very this one. Very excited to talk about track and Jackie. And then he just sits quietly and listens to a ghost story. Right. And they keep coming back to him. The camera keeps panning to Jackie. It's just sitting there like, what's Jackie going to get into? Toasting a marshmallow. And they're like, oh, Jackie's certainly going to drop that marshmallow. Jackie's awfully close to that fire. Nothing. Logan's going to jump out and scare Jackie, right? Wrong. Nothing. Nothing. So what the fuck is that all about? It's notable. It's notable. Jackie's here. He's mentioned. He's mentioned as a walking disaster. But there's no blips this week. I don't know if his time jumping is slowing. Maybe it has something to do with Richard's presence outside of... Oh, when Richard is gone. Maybe the energy, whatever energy Jackie taps into for his blips, is being used to bring Richard into our world right now. Well, so this kind of makes sense to me. So let me read you another passage that maybe can tie this together a little bit. This is as soon as Mr. Spear leaves. I still couldn't shake that little kid I miss my dad feeling, says Marianne. Stop that, I told myself sternly. You are grown up. You are not Marianne, the little kid in braids anymore. Marianne is shimmering back to this, like, trapped-in-timeness of when she is a little kid in braids as soon as Mr. Spear leaves. And And so it's about time and temporality, right? When he leaves the boundaries of Stony Brook... 
things start to change. Right. Like the spell starts to fade. One minute she thinks she's a kid in braids. One minute she thinks she's Marianne. Her mind is all right. messed up. And then we have Jackie Radowski, whose default mode is skipping through time. And here he is completely moored in one moment in time. God, imagine how much of a relief that it was for Jackie. Oh my God, that poor fucking child. He just gets, it's a brief respite where he's not living an entire lifetime. He's just his fun, rambunctious eight-year-old self being spooked by ghost stories, eating s'mores. He's just living life to his fullest. This That's why they kept flashing back to him. That's why Nola and Anne were like, really pay attention to Jackie. Really see yeah. him living his life here. Enjoy this moment. Look at him. And it's beautiful. It's beautiful. He's just a kid enjoying a marshmallow and a ghost story. After living out hundreds and hundreds and millions and trillions and an infinite number of lives. That poor boy. Somewhere inside that husk is just a little boy who wants to go to camp. Oh, beautiful. And eat marshmallows. It's beautiful, but also sad. Um, And I don't know why Anne and Nola have chosen to show us that. I love it, though. This is a haunting novel in many ways. Um... The only other little note that I have that I also found fairly haunting in this novel uh, mm-hmm. is, again, related to Marianne's backstory, to her dark past. Okay. I'd never thought about missing my father, she says. I mean, he'd been away on business trips before when I was growing up. I'd stayed with weird babysitters and with my friends. When I stayed with the weird babysitters, I missed him a lot. And when I stayed with my friends, Christy and Claudia, I didn't miss him so much. Who the fuck are these weird babysitters? Weird babysitters. Is it a coincidence that she grew up to be one of the most important babysitters in history? But she has this dark past with these weird babysitters. So the dictionary defines weird as suggesting something supernatural. Yes, That is absolutely true. Or the Scottish sense of the term is a person's destiny. Right. It's related to fate. Weird is fate in Anglo-Saxon. So it could be either. It could be something supernatural or something tied to her fate. Or both. Right. Frankly. Certainly both. These were babysitters who were supernatural and shaping her fate. So it was written early. She's talking about the primordia. Is that a word? May I? Please. Indulge me? Yeah, sure. The primordia. Yeah. The primordium? Primordium would be better, because that would be singular. The primordium. Yeah. We're talking about whatever it was before Marianne existed in this flesh temple. And it happens when her dad leaves, right? In the early days, in the darkness of her past, when her dad leaves to make a deal with God or the devil, or who knows? Both. She is visited by these weird babysitters when she's in the muck in the mire before she existed yeah and that was her fate right to become a babysitter and her dad went and made a deal with this being yeah and the being reached down into the quagmire and pulled marianne out and made her a babysitter for life this is an origin story yeah so this novel is an origin story for marianne and i feel like we didn't give nola thacker enough credit up front she uh, did a lot with that all b plot she she built this incredible mythology. Yeah, it's beautiful. Bringing Jackie into it just to show us that time is different now by having nothing happen to him. What a bold choice. And bread theory, because that's the ultimate something from nothing. Well, and that's how, and I hate to give you too much credit on bread theory. I'd like to say that I'm still the scully of bread theory and you're still the molder of bread theory. But the devotion of an entire page to the careful crafting of a loaf of bread Uh (laughs) in this novel does seem to be a clear sign that we should pay extra special attention to everything that's going on right because this book goes all the way down and then the colors you pay attention to the clergy you pay attention to the spiritual yeah jack and you pay attention to the nobility the chosen ones marianne you pay attention to god and you pay attention to god's chosen one marianne You pay attention to nothing else. You notably do not pay attention to the bourgeoisie. Wow. She's saying, look this way, Jack and Tanner. Yeah. And we did. And we have. And I'm glad that we did. 
<laughs> wow. Jack, I have one more question for you, and then I think we should get the fuck out of here. Please, hit I me. I suspect your answer is going to be no, but this week, did you have a... <gasps> Yeah, you fucking bet I did. Here's the burn that I'm going to give you. This is a moment in the book where we haven't dwelt too much on this, but Marianne is a real dingleberry in this book. Uh Sharon and Dawn get super excited that Richard is going away because Sharon and Dawn are going to, in Sharon's words, batch out. Being lady bachelors, what it means is that Sharon and Dawn are going to not clean up ever and just order takeout every single fucking night and leave like the pizza boxes in the dining room and watch- And throw food about indiscriminately while they're watching Elvis movies. And Marianne fucking hates- this it makes her angry and she becomes a real to use a technical term dingleberry dingleberry right uh so here's the passage within which my burn of the week this week tanner is contained hit me after camp bsc was finished for the day dawn said let's hang out on the steps for a while i shook my head i'm kind of (laughs) tired Is that a good Marianne voice? Yeah, very good. It's got a little bit of Droopy the Dog in it. Oh, I'm tired. (laughs) I went to my room, trying to ignore the chaos I passed, and closed my door and lay on my bed. I stayed there until Sharon came home and it was time for dinner. Only one more day to go in the work week, she sang as I walked into the kitchen. Let's do something extravagant. Clean the kitchen? I muttered. <laughs> burn on Sharon. Burn because... light week. <laughs> fuck you. That's a good fucking burn. That fuck you. Fuck you. That is a good burn. Because it was a burn light. No. Week no. No. This week, baby. No. Nation. No. I will not allow you to call that a weak burn. For Sharon, the idea of cleaning the kitchen would be extravagant. <laughs> Don't make me laugh at my own burn, you son of a bitch. That's fucking good. Burn Light Week. Okay, fine. Burn Light Week, but a very, very important book in terms of the lore uh, of the Sitter's Cycle. I think we've learned a lot about Marianne's backstory. The plot thickens, though. We've learned a lot, but we've also realized how much more we have to learn. Right. A very powerful and mysterious and intriguing novel by Anne and Nola Thacker this week. Um, if it's all right with you, Tanner, I would like to, uh, get the fuck out of here. I'm okay with that. Okay. Baby Nation, thank you so much for listening to our podcast. Um, another, uh, another Nolan one. Another Nolan one. I'm having a Thack attack. I ain't no Nolan Thack girl. Please, please take a moment to write us a review and give us a good rating on iTunes. It helps people to discover our podcast, and it bolsters our fragile egos. Share this episode, or another episode, with Mm -hmm. a friend, please. We don't care who. Don't care who, don't care what episode. This week, Baby Nation, we read a book that was called Marianne and Camp BSC. Next week, we're reading a book called Stacy and the Bad Girls. Now, who's Stacy? I don't know. Is this a new sitter? Are you pronouncing it right? S T A C E Y. Stacy. Stacy. Could be Stacy. Stacy. It's still Stacy or Stacy. I'm gonna assume it's a new babysitter called Stacy. Stacy. Stacy and the Bad Girls. And the Bad Girls. Intriguing. Well, I guess we're finally getting a new babysitter. About time. Next week we're reading a book called Stacy and the Bad Girls. This week, Baby Nation, I have been. Jack Alexander Shepard. And I'm your old friend, your confidant, your favorite Babysitter's Club critic, Tanner Greenring. Are you finished? Yep. Baby Nation, please remember 
to round off the corners in your bedroom. Drown all of your dolls. Call your senator and demand your right to bear time. And don't forget to let daddy love you as much as I do. Am I being detained? (laughs) I am a sovereign citizen. Am I free to go? (laughs) Claudia's wearing a bra now. The way she talks. You would think the boys had just been invented. Do you want to talk about Buffy the Vampire Slayer? Sure, man. I didn't think you would want to. I don't. Here's the thing, Baby Nation. This is going to surprise many of you. Uh, Jack has seen and loves all of the hit TV series, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Accurate. I have seen and do not love a single episode of the hit TV series, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh, that was a hell of a sentence construction, Tanner. Um, I, feel I like have should... no excuse for this. Yeah. Is the, the odd part. I just didn't ever watch it. My dad, he, I do have an excuse. I do have an excuse. And it's my dad's fault. You can blame Mark Ringrood for this one. Okay. My dad loved and watched the show Angel. <laughs> uh, okay. And I, I saw a lot of Angel growing up <laughs> and thought it was dumb. <laughs> And uh, therefore, never bothered with Buffy. That's controversial. Um, there's a reason we're talking about this, Baby Nation. We are talking about the text. Here's the passage. Sharon and Dawn are having a fun girls' night that Marianne is invited to, but she's being a dingleberry about, uh, where they watch dumb movies and throw popcorn at the screen. Uh, they go to Mega Video. Mm-hmm. I grabbed a movie called... Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I didn't know if it would qualify as a dumb movie or not, but the blues that I'd been feeling ever since my dad had disappeared from sight suddenly made decision-making extremely difficult. We decided to watch them in alphabetical order. My idea. Cool idea, Marianne. And Buffy wasn't bad. Or maybe I mean it wasn't good. Anyway, we all laughed at it. It's a comedy, Marianne. That's why you laughed at it. Um, The main point here is an interesting sidebar. Uh, it is definitively proved in this text that Buffy exists in the Sitterverse. That was a HeadGum Podcast. <laughs>